0: My name is Dr. Michael C. Boykin, and this is All Theology is Christology. I'm going to be looking at the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 3. And this is a series of uh, midweek Lenten services I'm going to be doing on the 17th chapter of John, which is known as the High Priestly Prayer. It's where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's where jesus pours out his heart uh, before his father and we read these words from those uh, those first three passages when jesus had spoken these words he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour has come glorify your son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So I said we're, we're now at the Garden of Gethsemane in John's Gospel. But John makes uh, uh, the presupposition or the, the assumption that the people who are listening to, to him are familiar with the Christ event or the, the, usually the, those things that are recorded now in the uh, synoptic gospels about the life of Jesus. And so before we get into John's uh, words, I think it's helpful for us to look at what Mark has to say about this and what Luke Uh, adds to it and again reading from the 14th chapter of mark verse 32 and they went to a place called gethsemane and he said to his disciples sit here while i pray and he took with him peter and james and john and began to be greatly distressed and troubled and said to them my soul is very sorrowful even to death Remain here and watch. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground and, and cried out, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not wait, watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and he prayed saying the same words. And Again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy and did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, you are still sleeping and taking your rest. It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So you see, again, Jesus' is anguish. I want to emphasize, he says, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Because we're. Going, I'm going to call attention to that later on when we look at uh, some of the other parts of Scripture that refer that are referring to Jesus' act of redemption. He prays that the cup, all, all the Gospels, uh, have this plea by Jesus to remove this cup or, or Matthew to, to not drink from this cup. The cup here is the cup of God's wrath, his judgment against sin. Jesus is saying, I don't want to drink this, but not my will, but your will be done. We have this this communication, this Jesus speaking to a loving Father. It, It reveals something of the ontological relationship, that is the relationship within the Trinity between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see it poured out in the Garden of Gethsemane. The hour has come, meaning this is the time. Uh, that the, man, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed. And again, to emphasize the agony which Jesus is experiencing. And looking at chapter 22 of Luke, 39-44, Luke adds some things that the other gospel writers do not mention. And he, Jesus, withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup. Remember, the cup is a cup of God's wrath against sin. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. All of them always say, "Have Jesus say, Father, your will be done. The, uh, and then he goes on. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. The the. The disciples who Jesus asked to go with him to the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray with him during this time of his need, failed him completely. God sent an angel from heaven to do what the disciples should have been doing, strengthening Jesus. But it had the opposite effect. It says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. That that, that manifestation, that physical manifestation of blood, says great drops of blood, or his sweat became like great drops of blood falling from the ground, tells us, reveals to us the inner pain and conflict that Jesus is experiencing within himself. And then we look again going back to now John and he says uh, uh, again Jesus lifting up his eyes to heaven father the hour has come glorify your son that the son may glorify you so how does this take place well we need to understand something about glory right in the Septuagint, the word for glory, is doxa. Not again. I know most of you probably know that the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew. That meant, uh, about two hundred and something years before the birth of Christ. There are arguments about when when exactly the Septuagint. Uh, in fact, there may there was more than once translation or edition of the, of the Septuagint. Septuagint, as I said, was the Greek translation of the Hebrew because uh, by the time, certainly by the the time of of Christ and even 200 years before that, the Greek language, the Hellenistic culture had spread and there were simply many Jews who no longer spoke Hebrew, but spoke Greek. So they translated the Hebrew to Greek. I didn't mean to get into that, but doxa is the, the Greek word. That is used to translate the Hebrew word kavod. Kavod actually in Hebrew means something like heavy. To be in God's presence is heavy. But it carries the notion of what makes someone impressive and demands recognition, whether of God or a man. And here specifically, in dealing with God, it involves the nature of God has manifested in his works. In his works. I I, I want to emphasize that because if you don't understand that God is glorified in his works, then you're not going to understand what Jesus is saying here when he's talking about being glorified and glorifying the Father. He's not talking about his essence, right? Um, God's essence is glorious I mean we see this in the Mount of Transfiguration uh, it it shine the, the glory shines through God you might say just like the, the light from the Sun we can't add anything to God's glory that is to his substance or essence God God is glorified whether we whether we glorify it or not that's just that's just who he is but here specifically God, uh, is revealing to us in the Garden of Gethsemane, His work, His work, the nature of God is manifested in His works. God's glory expresses itself above all in salvation history, the they say God's great acts of redemption and creation, we see, are the glory of God. So Jesus here, when He's talking about glory. Is talking about the work of God uh, revealed in Christ Jesus and accomplished by, by Christ Jesus. For, for instance, uh, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So God received. God is worthy because of His acts of creation here. But looking at Revelation chapter five, verses six through ten, we can see uh, again how the glory of God is manifested in Jesus's acts, act of uh, redemption, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders i saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne and when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and 25 elders fell down before the lamb and they sang a new song the the lamb here and you probably know this is the Lamb of God that John identifies, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world. So we see this Lamb of God, which is an imagery, or or not just a symbol, but I, I guess here would be a metaphor of Jesus as a sacrificial lamb. And this is the song that they are singing Uh, after they fell on their face, by the way, which is an act of worship. They sing this new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open the seals. Why? For you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. Ransom here. He paid the price. For us God's act of redemption he paid the price for us uh, from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth Jesus is glorified and receives glory by his act of redemption upon the cross remember what I said God's glory is is revealed in his acts of creation and redemption where do we see that that work of redemption where do we see that work of our salvation or the ransom here we see it on the cross jesus cross listen to this jesus's cross is His glory because it is God's saving work. Yahweh's glory is His saving work both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Jesus' glory is that He drinks every drop of God's wrath against sin for us. The glory of God is revealed on the cross both the glory of the father and the glory of the son are revealed upon to glorify god is to tell of his greatness in terms of what saving things he has done for us now the, th- this is where jesus the cross is is jesus's glory because this is his act so but he also glorifies the father by his act of salvation. Because he's accomplishing God's work. This is why God sent him into the world. God so loved the world that he gave. And hear what I mean by gave. I, I understand that in a sacrificial He, he gave him to redeem us. He, he, he sent him to save us. He's our savior. He's our redeemer. He's our substitute. The wrath of God, which should be poured out upon us, was poured out upon Him, and we can see this, for instance, in uh, Isaiah uh, fifty-three. And Jesus identifies with Isaiah time and time again, and, and this is what this is the anguish that Jesus was feeling, fi- feeling in the Garden of Gethsemane. But He was pierced for our transgressions; He was crushed for our iniquity. Now listen to those words. He was pierced for our translation. He's our substitute. He was pierced for our translation. He was crushed by God. It's God who crushed him. For our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. In other words, he was punished for us. The wrath of God. Was poured out upon Jesus, and by His wounds we are healed. We see again God's glory in His works of redemption for us. The glory of God is on is is found in the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is Jesus's glory. the The, the glory of God is that Jesus drank the every last bit of the wrath of god and jesus says I, I want to glorify you as you glorified me and i'm going to go back and to read from the second chapter of philippians beginning with verse eight. and being found in human form somebody jesus here now he humbled himself by coming by Becoming obedient to the point of death. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? I said, I'm going to come back to this. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, I am sorrow to the point of death. I think he's referring here. But even goes further, excuse me, further because that death is looking to the death upon the cross. And it says, it, says, it became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of this, therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus, him, and bestowed on Jesus the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Listen to this every tongue confess that jesus is lord to the glory of god the father when we confess jesus as lord we glorify the father we glorify the father by receiving everlasting life and salvation in jesus christ and we dishonor god When we reject those gifts in Christ Jesus. To confess Jesus Christ is Lord glorifies the Father. If you want to glorify the Father, not only do you believe and trust him, you go and tell other people about what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Speaking about what God has accomplished for them and for us and for the whole world is one way that we glorify God, not because we've done anything, but we're pointing to what God has done for us, that God desires all people to be saved. So as we look at the 17th chapter, and again, we only looked at the first three verses. As we looked at those verses, we see that, again, the glory of God is in his works of creation and salvation. And his work of salvation is revealed for us on the cross of christ the glory of jesus is the cross wale and god be with you looking forward to next week to talking to you further about the book of revelation as we get into this conversation that's not really but god speaking to his father about the things that are going to happen about praying for himself and praying for those who believe in him, and then praying for the world. So we're going to be looking at all these things. Well, God bless you.